we're talking about how to sell retainers. And my guest today is Douglas Lim. Hey, Doug, how you doing? Yeah, good, Kelly. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Excellent. So Doug and I have known each other for, we were trying to figure it out, six or seven years maybe, (laughs) uh, when I was on his podcast show back when I had my agency. And so Doug spent about seven years as a digital marketing agency owner in Australia. And their clients included everything from mid-size and large enterprises to government entities, um, universities. Doug and I are huge component uh, proponents of um, you know basically increasing uh, and diversifying revenue streams for an agency. Um, Doug has since successfully exited his his agency, and now he's uh, you know pursuing some entrepreneurial opportunities. Uh, we were just chatting about that a little bit before, but I'm really, really excited to chat with you today, Doug, and, and just thanks again for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. So, Doug, when you had your agency, um, at what point in the ownership and the leadership of that agency did you realize that you needed predictable income? Yeah, well, with my story, I actually realized it quite late, Kelly, like uh, three years in, would you believe? So uh, I went through the whole feast and famine of uh, doing project work. You, you get a whole bunch of clients in a, in a short period of time. You service those clients and then you've got like nothing for a couple of months. And so it was just this up and down um, battle to, to get positive cash flow. And so, yeah, three, three years in, I uh, finally realized, hey, I'm kind of sick of this. Got to do something about it. And that's where the recurring revenue came in. Yeah, I, I like to call that the death spiral or the death circle. <laughs> you know, feast or famine, get as many projects in as you can, you know, completely crush it and then sit there and twiddle your thumbs as you try to scramble and get new clients. I've, I've seen a lot of different yes. agency owners go through the same thing. Absolutely. I wish I did it sooner. That's yeah, all I... Of course. Of yeah. course. Well, hopefully this will help other agency owners who are maybe a year in, two years in, um, you know, to, to go ahead and get that done uh, and get that as part of their business model a lot sooner. Um, yeah. So when you finally figured this out, this was sort of your, your aha moment. How did you determine how you were going to structure those retainers? Was it um, a package that you put together? Was it sort of a, an a la carte menu? Were they completely customized? Um, how did you do it at your agency? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Kelly. So um, we just had like standard packages. Um, we didn't do a la carte or anything customized like that because it was just um, a couple of things. You got to think about like the delivery of your service. So if you're doing a lot of customizations, there's a lot of um, kind of logistics behind that to get that going in terms of um, selling that to clients. So we just did stock standard packages, but we had options with those packages. So different tiers, um, and we. We basically just based it on our clients' um, needs and what we were trying to help them accomplish. So we we took what we did and put them in, wrapped them up in a nice bow tie, and just said, yeah, just um, for this X amount of dollars per month, this is what we can do, and this is how we can help you accomplish your goals. Uh, and that's literally what we did. So uh, I'm a big, especially if you have, I think one thing I learnt as well is if you've got a lot of staff like I did. Um, to kind of manage that whole process of delivery of services. Um, for me, anyway, it was easier just to, to make it stock standard. 
Right. But there is a, a customizable element within there. So you weren't saying we have package A, B, and C, choose one. You were saying here's, here is the, the plethora of our services. Um, we're going to actually strategically put together a package for you. And, you know, then it made it seem very tailored to that client. Correct. Correct. Um, and that's spot on. Spot on. Yeah, and we actually had both. Yeah. That's exactly how we that's did right. it at my agency. So um, I, I totally uh, am in agreement with that. And uh, But I've seen success in other models, you know, other agencies that have, you know, maybe they really do want to stick with. And again, it depends on the type of creative agency. But if they really want to stick with a more, you know, as you call it, a stock standard, you know, um, group of services or package um, where they really are just choosing, you know, that could work too, depending upon the service. Yeah. And can I just uh, mention one thing, Kelly, that um, I found with stocks and services, because you made a, such a good point about customizing the packages. Um, if you like one thing I realized when we were doing this is if you do, if you get too stock standard, you end up trying to sell your, your stock standard package to your clients rather than trying to sell what would benefit them, if that makes sense. Yep. And that's just, when you go down that path, it's not a good thing for business. So totally agree with what you said there. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and how did you, in particular, how did you find success in actually selling the retainers, pitching them, selling them, closing them um, to the types of clients that you served? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing for us was just changing the mindset. So um, a lot of the time when we first started, or especially me, when I was selling these services, it was, okay, this is our service. This is what we can do for you. But then at the end of the day, what you're trying to help your clients accomplish is not your service necessarily. It's more you're trying to help them get more leads. You're trying to get them more sales. You're trying to help them save time. You're trying to give them peace of mind. So the way we sold it and the way I sold it was just to focus on those things. So if I could alleviate, um, if I could get you, you know, 20 more leads this week, would that help your business go forward? The client would say, yeah, absolutely. All right, that's fantastic because that's what this package does rather than just saying this package gets you at the top of Google <laughs> for paid advertising. Like it, it was that shift of mindset. So that was a big thing that we did. Yeah, that's it's such a great point. And I almost want to like beat this over and over and over again in this show that it is 110% all about the benefits. It's not about the features. It's not about the technical jargon. We can call it digital marketing, experiential, social media, uh, retargeting, display network, whatever the terms are that we use as the, the people who actually provide the services, as the agencies who provide the services, that's our internal speak. At the end of the day, the client doesn't care. And I can't drill that home enough. Um, you know, a very, very savvy client might want to know what techniques and tactics you're going to be using and, you know, to deliver your service to them. But at the end of the day, they just want to know that you solve their pain points. Um, mm. So focusing on that when you're pitching and you're selling retainer services and really getting the client to understand that in order for us to do this, um, we need a little bit of a ramp up period, right? So it might take three months to get it going. Mm depending upon the complexity and the, the competition, it might take six months, but it's an ongoing relationship. And so the more that you get them to understand that this is something that you're going to essentially become a partner with that, that organization long-term, that's how you can sell these retainers. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, spot on. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Um, and in terms of growth at your agency, um, how did, so you, when you went from project-based for the first three years, and then you moved over to the retainer model, maybe still some projects in between, um, how did the retainers and how did that recurring revenue model impact your business in terms of scalability and growth and the ability to sell it? Yeah, well, uh, it was huge. It was huge, Kelly. Like, um, I'm happy to give some figures here. So, because uh, we had about 30 staff, um, our payroll was about 150K Australian dollars per month just to keep the doors open. Uh, so you can imagine trying to bring in 150,000 worth of work per month. Uh, that's no mean feat if you've got like a few sales staff. So moving to the recurring model, before we even had to sell any websites or sell any kind of project-based work, we already had like 200K per month in recurring revenue. So it covered our payroll, covered our rent, office rent, covered our um, operational expenses. So when you have that sort of pressure off you at the, the start of the month, like it, the way you sell is very different. So <laughs> instead of trying to survive, you're now actually trying to grow. Yeah. Um, and But that doesn't, even though I say that, that still comes with a whole lot of uh, problems and issues like you would have experienced, Kelly. Uh, it's just a different side of the coin. But uh, yeah, it was just massive. Um, um, and that was the biggest thing for me, just the peace of mind. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, that's probably the most common pain point across every single agency owner, director, manager. It is. You need that peace of mind. You need to understand, like, you know, how to actually scale and grow the company. But the peace of mind to know that you're doing it right. You have the systems and processes in place. You have the, the right business model in place. All of that is so invaluable. Absolutely. You're, you're dead on there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. Um, now, so we're going we're gonna to start to wrap up, and I definitely appreciate all the insight that you're sharing. Um, I think it'll resonate a lot with, with our people who are watching and listening. Um, but what advice would you leave uh, agency leaders with? The agencies that are either focused right now on project-based work exclusively or the ones that are finding it difficult to sell, even like the five, ten, maybe twenty thousand dollar a month retainers, um, what what advice would you leave them with? Yeah, look, that's that's such a good question, Kelly. Uh, I, I'll answer that question by sharing a bit about my story. In terms of, you know, we grew very fast. Uh, we had no systems and processes in place, like you were talking about. I wish we did, but we didn't. Uh, so three years in, we're scrambling to get all this project work done we had high staff turnover uh it was just a lot it was a whole bunch of stress uh and then that's when we finally realized okay we need to get this kind of recurring revenue model going um and then we literally took a year out to uh just focus on systems and processes and actually setting all this stuff up like collateral um, business flyers all that stuff you need when you're going out there to sell it um, so my biggest advice is, um, first thing is just definitely um, keep adding value to your clients because the only way we really could sell it was to build that trust and rapport. Um, we talk about this a lot in the agency world. You know, people are only going to buy from you if they know, like, and trust you. 
So you've got to add that value. And what I mean by that value is <clears throat> what I would do with my clients is actually just look at ways we could um, push their business forward. Just little things like, you know, you could actually do this or and offer suggestions and, and um, things like that that would help their business. So once you've done that, second thing is <clears throat> um, just start off with like one or two services that you know that you could definitely – um, not too high, not like 5, 10K. I reckon probably 1 to 2K um, just to start off with if you've never done this before. Um, and one of the easiest things that you can do if you're in website development is just website maintenance. So a lot of clients, they have a website. You might have built a, a fantastic website, but content needs to be updated. The business owner is too busy to update it. You could just do a monthly package to say, hey, we can update your website for you. Very simple. Um, and just sell a couple of those first just yeah. to get going. Yeah. And then layer on all the other services that you mentioned, Kelly. Um, but don't try to – I reckon don't try to jump up to 20K per month. Um, that's a big leap if you haven't done any kind of recurring revenue before. Right. Unless you're very confident in your product, <laughs> you have an awesome no-brainer offer. Uh, and you're very confident in being able to sell it. Or you're so dealing I, with clients that, you know, are of a different caliber. I mean, selling uh, a one or $2,000 web maintenance retainer to client X is going to look very, very different to, you know, a very, very large enterprise that understands that your services are worth twenty twenty five thousand $25,000 a month and they have the budget for it. Correct. Spot on. Spot yeah. on. That's right. Um, yeah. So before we kind of wrap up, I, uh, I love getting questions from different agency owners. And I actually got one the other day that I thought was going to be perfect for our show. So it was nice and timely. Um, I had an agency owner, a digital marketing agency owner in New Jersey who contacted me and wanted to know um, what the best way to pitch a retainer was if you've never delivered the full scope of services before for an, an existing client. So you don't have the case studies necessarily to back it up. And you've never done it uh, before for the particular industry of the prospect that you're pitching. So I know I gave him, um, you know, my own advice. And we, we chatted about that a little earlier. But I'd love to hear, you know, how you would respond to a question like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll give an example. So oh, when we first started our agency had absolutely like no clients, maybe one or two clients, and we pitched this uh, this major local government agency here in Australia, like, uh, and the contract was worth, you know, six figures sort of thing. So with like one or two clients to try and pitch that was a major thing. But we, we ended up going down to the final three because it was a, like a bidding process. And then through the interview, we, we won the project, which was awesome. And that really set our agency uh, to, to achieve great growth. But the thing, I remember talking to the decision makers that um, decided to give it to us. And the thing they said to us was, it was your energy and the enthusiasm you brought to the table. And I think that's a big thing. So um, bring that energy, bring that enthusiasm, bring that passion for their industry. Um, study it, learn it like we did. Um, and when you can bring that, that, that first step will give that, um, that first impression 
which will um, get them already liking you. And then the second thing as well, uh, Kelly, is exactly what you said. Um, I don't think it really matters too much, to be honest. Like, you might not have worked in that niche or, or that industry, but heck, you've worked with other businesses, right? So, um, and other companies that are about the same size. So you can bring that to the table and say, hey, look, we haven't worked in this industry, but we've worked with this other business that has the same number of staff. They've got 50 staff or 100 staff or 10 staff, whatever, uh, and we've worked with them. So we can bring that to the table. Yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. And and the, the point about enthusiasm and energy and, you know, just pitching really well um, and connecting on a personal level and on the, you know, more of an emotional level, that's not even something that I talk to this agency owner about, but it's fantastic advice and I don't think it should be lost on anyone. Um, the other thing that I mentioned to him was uh, in order to, and, and this may or may not work depending upon who you're pitching to, but if you have the opportunity to grant exclusivity to that prospect, so yes, we, you know, we've never worked in your specific uh, vertical, but we've worked in all these other B2B verticals, you know, so we have the experience, be confident about it, that's fine. Just to kind of balance it or, or tip the scales a little bit more in your favor, you could say, let's pretend it was an attorney client or a a law practice you could say you know within our county or our um you know uh, multiple counties in our area or different region we could maybe grant you exclusivity so that we will not work with another law practice and and we're going to focus our attention on you that may actually balance you know a little bit more in your favor but again it's going to really depend on who the client is and who the prospect is yeah, no, look, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Kelly. That was uh, one big thing when we were doing SEO services. Uh, clients sometimes would come and say, well, what's stopping you from, uh, say, they're a local dentist? What's stopping you from doing SEO for another dentist? And then you kind of got a conflict of interest there. Mm-hmm. So that exclusive, exclusivity is, uh, is a very, very good point, um, a, a very good selling point for sure. Great. Doug, thank you so much. I really, really appreciated you staying up late in Australia for me. <laughs> um, and, you know, always love chatting with you. I definitely want to reconnect soon and uh, continue the discussion. But thank you again. It was it was awesome chatting with you. Yeah, no worries at all, Kelly. It was uh, it was an absolute pleasure. And to all the listeners out there, uh, I highly, highly respect Kelly and, and what she's accomplished. And and more so who you are as a person. So uh, thank you for having me. I'm very appreciative as well. Thank you, Doug. Have a great night. 